0: All right. Am I on now? Good? All right. And if I live in Chicago, even, I don't care where in Chicago, this is the church that I would be at as well. What an amazing, uh, I think that that what I love about Daryl is his heart for people, his heart for his family. He loves his family, he loves his kids. I have three kids and ten grandkids from zero to nine. I love kids. When you were talking about your nursery, I realized, you know, the number one way you get families to come to your church is have great nursery because the kids bring the parents to church. The kids, if they go to church and the kids love the nursery, go, that's where I want to go. That's where they come back. I'm at the door. When our kids leave, I give out candy. <laughs> I give out candy to every kid that comes out of there. And you wouldn't believe how old kids are nowadays. They're getting older and taller, I'm finding out. Because I want him to go, I want to go back to the church where the pastor gives you candy. So, but I have to say that his heart for his family and his heart for his church, his heart for you, is what draws my heart to him. Uh, We had him in uh, Pullman and, uh, and released the staff on him, and I'll tell you what, they just kept asking, 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 asking questions. Because not only do you have a pastor, who has compassion for his sheep and a heart that's absolutely huge. You have one who has a huge brain as well. This guy is so smart. I just, he's just, I, I just, I love hearing his thoughts about stuff because it's absolutely amazing. Also appreciate the heritage, the heritage here with uh, Dr. Merrill Sr. and uh, just, and I love Pastor Harry too. Um, I did, so many of you have in this church, and, and the, the ministers here, Pastor Fred, have had a great influence on my life. And I, I thank you for that. You talk about Pullman. Where is Pullman? Um, you have to accidentally get there. if, you're, if you, you made a wrong turn if you get there. It's not the edge of the earth, but you can see it from there. Uh, but it's a college community, about uh, 30,000 folks. About 20-some thousand of those are going to be college kids. So we minister to a lot of kids. And our heart is to train people. I got them for five years. We're going to put as much of Christ inside of them. We have a plan from day one. So when they leave that place, we have saturated them in the things of God. I want them to know in whom they believe and why and have a passion for God and want to give it away to everyone there. Before I go any further, let, me, let me, the brains behind me are right over there, my lovely wife, Carrie. Um, she keeps me on task and on track. She's the one who rolls her eyes every time I do an illustration. She says, what were you thinking? And I say, I wasn't. I, uh, I hope to, um, I know that you're doing a series on real life, and uh, I hope that this one fits inside of it a little bit. When I think about real life and the things that happen in life, so many, so many things happen. And I, I, I've been looking at my, of my, my own life here just a little bit lately, and it actually got me inspired into this message. I haven't even preached this first part to our, my own church, but I've been looking at my own life and realizing, have you ever... Have you ever been working on your computer, and you flip it open there, and you work, and then you flip it open again, and you work, and you you flip it open again, and work, or maybe you have a a desktop, and you got up there, and and you're working, you're working, you're working, you're working, and time and time and time goes by, and then your computer gets slow. It gets sluggish. It doesn't move. I'm in my office, and I yell at my secretary, Catherine, it won't do anything. It won't. It's slow. What's going on? And she says this to me, shut it down. Shut it down! It's time to reboot. And that's the tell of my message. Reboot. And I think the same thing happens to us. Sometimes we get going so much into so many things and so many issues going on and so much stuff happening, and it's all good. I'm not talking about bad junk. I'm talking about so many things, and we get so divided and so divided and so divided that sometimes God's going... Shut it down! Sorry. I I, I told them they wouldn't even have to mic me, but. Shut it down. And God says to us sometimes, shut it down, because you're headed for something that's not good. You've lost your focus, and you've got too many things going on out here, and you've lost the reason for everything that exists. We look at all the icons on our computer, and I always say that Jesus isn't an icon on a computer. He's the operating system upon which every other icon rests. But you know, we get so many icons on there, everything runs slow, and especially in relationship with the Lord. I've been reading, we've been reading as a church, we go through a reading schedule together, and we've been in in Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles, it's amazing, all the kings. All the kings of Judah who started well and ended bad. There were some that started bad and they just stayed bad. But there was a number of them that started well and ended bad. Asa was an amazing king. He was the third king in the divided kingdom, the king of Judah. And, and it's amazing the things that happened. It says he did great things. He did things that would honor the Lord. He was an amazing king. But as time went by, he lost his focus and started depending upon himself rather than all of that that he had in the Lord. He did amazing reforms. He tore down things. He was, he was counter-cultural. He cut down all the idols of everything else that was around, shut them down. He wanted to make the culture, and I think the church is to make culture. We should be pushing out culture. We need to be countercultural so we can create a different culture, and that's what the church is supposed to do. But it was amazing as he did all of that, and he, was, he did amazing stuff. He even took his own mom off of what she was doing because she set up an idol, an Asherah pole. He even set his own mom down. But in the 36th year, the 36th year, instead of looking and honoring God, he was getting into a battle, and instead of looking and honoring God, he looked to another army it would help them out. And God said, instead of looking to me, you've looked to something else. And his pride got him. I love this scripture. And I know I'm driving the lady back there. I forgot. Your, what was your name again? Yeah. See it again? Yeah. And, and you're amazing. And you're finding out why I frustrate our church when it comes to video. Because they, you've noticed I've messed the slides up. It says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is, say with me, loyal to him. That word loyal is the word complete. Whose heart is completely his. Not divided. Not some over here, some over there. Not so spread out, but is completely his. And from that position does everything else that they do. His eyes run to and fro. We have a picture of, um, I think it's the, it's the Helix Nebula right here. It's called the Eye of God. It's one of the, go to the next page, go to the next one. Here's another picture of it. Here's somebody doing a, funny, a couple of funny things with it. Go to the next one there. Here's two of them up there. I know that that's photoshopped in, but I want you to get that picture there. The eye of God actually exists out there. I want to put two of them together in a little mouth and to realize this, that the eyes of God are looking and going and running, running to and fro, finding out who He can be strong for, who has a loyal heart for Him, a complete heart. God is looking for that. God is looking for that. And we get so complicated in life, so many things going on, so divided that we lose our focus. And like King Asa, who lost his focus, focus Jehoshaphat did, Josiah did, Isaiah uh, uh, did, Hezekiah even did, who did great reforms. But you know, at the very end of his life, he got really proud. He got really proud at the very end of his life. And God was testing him. And then, And then he asked the Lord for 15 more years. Well, he asked the Lord to heal him, right? And God gave him 15 more years. Do you know what happened in those 15 years? In those 15 years, he brought in the people from Babylon to look at his kingdom. And they looked at it all, and he showed them everything. And those people finally come in and take over the whole land. They saw all that he had. He showed them all. A prophet comes in and says, what did you show him? He said, I showed him everything. And you know why he showed him? Because he was so puffed up in pride. He wanted them to see how great he was. And God says, it's not about how great you are. It's about how great I am. You know what else happened? Manasseh was born during that time. He was 12 when he became king. That means during the time where he asked for more time, Manasseh was one of the worst kings that Judah ever had, absolutely deplorable, one of the reasons why they got carried away into captivity, and yet it happened at a time when in his pride he said, give me some more, and with that time at the end, he didn't serve God well. So here's what I want to do. I have this question. Many Christians start well. They're on fire for God. Do the circumstances of life ever quench your Do the circumstances of life quench our fire? It seems like the longer we get saved, the longer you're saved, the more we know the program, the way we know how we're supposed to act, the more we, yeah, 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 I I know that. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I I, I know those, yes, I know those things. I know how you, I know we're supposed to lift our hands in worship. I know we do this. And we start going on by rote things, that becomes stale rather than fresh. And I think what God is saying, when we shut it down, is to let's reboot. Let's make it fresh again. And I want to give you five thoughts where I think we need to make it fresh again. Number one, where we need to reboot. And before I say that, let me say this one last thing. (laughs) Ah, never mind, I'm just gonna move on. Five things. Number one, believing. I think we need to be believing for more. I think as Christians, we just get going on and we know the plan and we know how it goes. But have you sat down and asked, Lord, what am I supposed to have faith for? What am I supposed to believe? Look at the scripture in Mark 11. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Literally, that means this. Literally, the translation is this. Have the faith of God. Not have faith in God. Have the faith that God has. Think about the faith that God has. For a moment, Just sort of think. Okay, if God was exercising his faith, what kind of faith would he have? Would it be, well, I hope this happens. Can you imagine God at creation? Can you do reverb back there? I always have our guys do reverb when I talk like God. It would do something like, let there be light. And then he sits back and goes, I hope this happens. Just give it a little time. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. coming. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. Do you think that's how God responded? When God speaks... And he has faith in what he says. When he says it, it is going to happen, right? If you have, think of yourself having the faith of God. He didn't go, I want sun, moon, and stars. I got a sun. I got a moon. No stars. Well, two out of three ain't bad. Hey, we we'll just go without stars, all right? We don't need stars. I'm just going to go with sun and moon. We need light. We need moon. We don't need the stars, all right? I'll have to do, say something else about Abraham as the stars. I, I, I'll have to figure out another acronym. I'll have to use something else, some other analogy. He didn't say that. When he spoke it, he knew it would happen. And what the scripture is saying is have that kind of faith in believing. Is that how we believe? Is that how you exercise your faith? As if you are God Almighty because he is inside of you. He has given you something to pray for, to believe for, to declare. Do we have the faith of God when we declare something to happen? Man, I was challenged by that. Do I have the faith of God? He goes on to say, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt, and does not what? doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, when you rap with me, when you talk with me, when you dialogue with me, when you're thinking about your thoughts with me, when you're praying for something, when you're declaring something, when you're believing for something, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The opposite of faith here is the word doubt. Diokrino is the Greek word. Deacrino, and it means this, to withdraw from, to oppose, to hesitate. God is the author of faith, and Satan is the author of doubt. God wants you to believe 100% what he says is going to happen. And the enemy wants you to hesitate, wants you to withdraw, wants you to scratch your head and say, can that really happen? Is that really possible? I don't know if... Exactly where the devil wants you. Questioning him. Questioning God's authority. Questioning, can it happen? I did a message a number of years ago. And uh, it was in, the title of it was this, Does Your Faith Flinch? And what I did is I took, a, I, I took a bowling ball and I hung it from the very point out front. So it was like on our, on our stage right here, out at the very point. It's on a point right here. It would hang right there. And then I got up on the stage and I pulled the bowling ball way back like this. Got way back like this. And I took the oldest lady in our church and I put the bowling ball on her head. And I said, do you believe when I let go of this bowling ball, it's going to swing out, went right out over the congregation, and then it came swinging back like this, when it comes back, it cannot hit you in the head. The laws of physics say it can't hit you because there's friction, there's wind friction. So when it comes back, it will not hit you. And I asked her, I said, do you believe that? And she says, if you say so pastor." I couldn't believe it. I thought she was going to have a heart attack. I realized afterwards, this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and I'm just going, I'm not, I'm not realizing until afterwards how petrified she is. And I said, and you have to keep your eyes open. You can't just close them. You got to keep your eyes open. Do you believe that? And she just, so I let go of it. It goes, whoosh, out like that. And she's looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, as it just stares her, boom, and stops right there and goes back. And she goes, whoosh, she fell into my arms. And I'm sitting there going, she believed, man. She didn't flinch. Then I took a 20-year-old college student, and we have a plethora of them, so they're all over them. I got this one sassy one, one just, you know, I got her up here. And I did the same thing, and I put it back here, and I said the same thing with her. And I let go of the bowling ball. And it goes, whoosh, the bowling ball goes out. Same thing. And as it was going out, it was really long, on a long deal. So it took a little while for it to come back. I, I whispered in her ear and I go, you know what? Honestly, I think that ball's going to hit you in the head. Because I pushed a little bit. I think it's going to come back. And I think it's going to hit you. If I were you, I'd probably move. She looked at me and go, what? And, she's, and I'm going, I'm just saying I'd probably move. I think it might hit you. That ball might hit you. And I, nobody else heard it. I'm whispering this to her. I think it's going to hit you. I don't know. I'm just thinking it's going to hit you in the head. What do you mean it's going to hit you in the head? She just looks back and forth, back and forth. And as that ball came back, she just bailed out. She just bailed. And I said, is that not exactly what the devil does to us? God gives us a fact. He tells us the truth. He tells you to stand in there regardless of what's going on. It will be as sure as I say it. And our faith doesn't flinch Or do we bail out when God says something to us because we're afraid that it may not happen? How many times have we gone, well, you know, God may or may not want to do that. I mean, we we try to justify if God doesn't do it instead of believing that he said it and it's going to happen. I think for us to reboot, we need to have a new sense of faith. We need to have a new sense of the faith of God Do you have God's faith? And my prayer for my life is, God, give me your faith. Don't give me faith. Give me your faith. Because your faith does everything, everything and everything well. I think God loves it when we believe him. I think believing God turns his crank. When he says something and we believe it, he goes, who oh, could he? Who believe? When, when he spoke to Abraham and said, hey, you're going to have a kid. I'm going to give you this land. And Abraham said, all right. I think, I think God went, he believes me. And Abraham just goes, duh. We well, he was from Ur. Duh, I'm from Ur. So here he is just believing God. Dumb old Abraham. Didn't know enough to think about, well, it doesn't happen. He just goes, okay. Okay, sure. Believe it, it's gonna happen. And I think God loved his faith so much that he accounted it to him as righteousness. You believe that? I'm telling you, gonna have a kid. And you're believing that? In your old age? And your wife's old? You're believing that? You're gonna believe. And then it goes for 25 years. 13 years, he had a hiccup in there, but for the most part, he believed that. He believed it was gonna happen. And God says, Wow. You're willing to hold on for 25 years? Are we, are we willing to allow his promises to plant inside of us, to germinate, to take root, to begin to grow, even if they're 25 years long? And the promise about the land was 700 years before they ever occupied it? But Abraham said, by faith, I believe it will happen. Faith. The faith of God is an amazing faith. And by the way, I forgot to do this. Luke and Justin are out there, wherever you are, in cyberspace, watching. And I was supposed to give you a shout out, so, hey! You know, when the devil, he tries to get us to, get did it with Eve. Hath God said, you can eat from everything? Oh, yeah, yeah, but, but, but no, no, no. It's supposed to eat from, the, from the, 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 the tree in the midst of the garden. We're supposed to, oh. And if, and if we eat from that, he says we'll die. Oh, you will not die. You know what her first response should have been? Liar, liar, pants on fire. You liar, you liar. Your pants are on fire. I'm not going to believe you. Instead, she goes, oh, really? Got her to Doubt. His number one goal in your life is to get you to doubt anything that God says. Anything that he says. His number one goal is to get you to doubt. He wants you doubting what he says. Second thing. I'm skipping. Second thing. Second thing that allows us to connect with God. Forgiveness. Forgiving. First one was believing. Second one was forgiving. Because I'm amazed at what forgiving does in the life of a Christian when we exercise it. And what it does in the life of a Christian when we don't exercise it. I was in Mark. Let me continue on in that passage. It says, And and whenever you stand praying you stand there, you're connecting to God. When I look at praying, I always look at connecting. When you're connecting, when you're praying, when you're connecting with him, when you're, when, you're, when you're connecting to God, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Look what it says here. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Everybody say, ouch. Say, ouch. Owie. I love it. My, I have a, a, a two-year-old granddaughter, and I had a cut on my knee, and she goes, oh, you have an owie? I go, yes, honey, I got an owie. Let me tell you what. This is a big owie because most of us don't believe what the Scripture says. Most of us do not believe it. Here's what it says. Or let me ask you this. If I read it correctly, and you, you tell me what your thoughts are, if your sins are not forgiven... If your sins are not forgiven, can you make it into heaven? Anybody's theology? I mean, anybody's thoughts? I'm I'm happy to hear yes, no, maybe, I don't know. It ought to be. It shouldn't be. How many say yes? How many say no? What was my question? I forgot my question. (laughs) Oh, can you go to heaven without it? And you say no. So you're agreeing with me then. How many don't know? How many don't care? This is serious. This is scary to me. If your sins are not forgiven, you can't make it to heaven. So unforgiveness can keep you from heaven because if you don't forgive someone else, then God doesn't forgive you. Okay, process of, if if I don't forgive, God doesn't forgive. If God doesn't forgive, I don't make it in. Why would we ever allow someone who did something horrible to us to have the ultimate joy of keeping you out of heaven by refusing to say, I forgive you, you miserable creep? (laughs) They don't have to become your best friend. You just have to say, I let go of it. I let go of it. Unforgiveness cuts off the power of God in our life. Unforgiveness is like pulling a circuit breaker and going, Zzz, we got all this power going on, and we don't forgive, and God goes, you have no power. What's the issue? you got to throw the switch. How do I throw the switch? Forgive the guy. Oh, if I forgive the guy, you throw the switch? Yeah, I forgive you. <laughs> it's a serious thing, and I don't think many of us really understand it. But I know many people walking around in unforgiveness who are bitter, who hate the person, bemoan the fact that this person did this to me. And you know what? People have done heinous things out there. Rape, plunder, abuse, horrific things. And I'm not not belittling that, okay? It's horrific. And I'll pray with you and help you. But we've got to forgive them. Because forgiveness doesn't help them. Forgiveness ultimately helps you. And God knows that. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I have all these grandkids, so let it, go, let it go, let it go. I've heard that song so many times, I am absolutely sick of the song. Let it go. Don't they sing at all? Do you guys sing that? Do you like that? Oh, good, good. Oh, that's good. That's good. Because I have granddaughters who just, that's all they sing is, let it go. Let it go. But here's what God's saying to you about unforgiveness. Let it go! Let it go! Just let it go! did! I know! Just let it go. If you want to be connected to God in a powerful way, you want to reboot, allow the power of God to hit you in a brand new way, forgive people. Forgive people. Because you are most like Christ when you forgive. It's the number one thing He did when He came. And did you deserve it? I didn't deserve it. I was awful. I'm ashamed of what I did. I wouldn't tell you. I'm embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed to tell you. The things I did that God forgave me of. And I'm so thankful He did. When I think about letting go, if I had a trash can right here, and we should line this with trash cans, because I believe this altar is a place where we dump stuff. I say that with respect. This altar is a place where we come and we unload junk. We unload garbage. We unload stuff here at this altar. We let go of it. we come, Lord, I'm convicted of something. We let things go in our own life, our own sins. We let the fact that someone else hurt us, we let it go. This right here is a dumping ground. It's a trash can up here where you come and you let go of all of the junk and garbage and all of the things that hold you back. And if you're holding on to garbage and God wants to bless you with something, it's pretty, no, I can, no, I can get, here, here, I got it, here, give it to me, Lord. And God's going, I'm not giving it to you. Now, just a second, I just put that garbage in there, put that garbage in there, stuff that under there and that in there, that down there, that under there, put that in the sock. I got some, and then you got more garbage, he's going, you know what? Until you get rid of the garbage, I can't give you anything. You have to let go in order to grab on. Let go in order to grab on. Number three, we talked about we need to be believing. We need to be forgiving. If We want to reconnect with God in a powerful way. Third thing is abiding. 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 Here's a scripture in John 15, 4 through 7. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Unless it's connected. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Notice how many times it says abide here. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do... Say it with me. Without me you can do... Nothing. Or let me say it this way. Or nothing that really matters. A lot of people are doing stuff. Look what I did. It doesn't matter. Without God, does it really matter? It all burns up. It all goes away. It all becomes rubbish. But the things of God are the things that last. Nothing that really matters without God. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And Here's the key at the very end here. If, which is a conditional. If, I have to fulfill this conditional. If, in order to get the promise at the end. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. This is kind of a premise with number one about believing. We've got to set up the whole believing part by having faith because we have to have God in us and the word in us. We've got to be in God and the word has to be in us. The word abide here is the Greek word meno, and it means to stay. How many have ever trained your dog and said, stay? And just like that, boom, it sat down and stayed. And you walked away, and it just stayed there wagging its tail. Now, I, 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 we have a couple of dogs. I have to be careful how we talk about my dogs, because my wife loves these dogs. And so do I, by the way. I love these dogs. They're awesome. So thankful that we have two of them now. <clears throat> anyway, trying to train the dog and go, sit! <sighs> no, sit! <sighs> Put it down. That's sit. Okay. Stay! Walk away and <clears throat> comes. No, stay! Walks away. Come. No, stay! And, and after a little while, we got the stay down. I got far away and then come. <sighs> and we go back there. Sit! Stay! You've got to use a little hand thing, I found out. You'd use a little, that's a stay. It's a come, it's a stay, in case your dog loses its hearing, which our other dog did, can't hear a thing. Stay. And walk away. And I was just going, oh, look at this dog, man. I, I trained him. So excited about training him. I'm going, stay. And I'm over here like this, and a squirrel comes out of the tree over here <laughs> and takes off running. That dog phew, took off after the squirrel. And I'm going, stay! And I'm screaming at the dog, sit! Stay! Stay! Sit! It did not stop until that thing ran up a tree, and then my dog sat at the bottom of the tree trying to jump up the tree. I was thankful that the squirrel at least went up a tree, or my dog would have gone forever trying to find the squirrel. And I'm saying that sometimes God wants us to abide. That means stay in me. Abide in me. It says if you abide, that word, to stay. Menno, if you stay, stay in me. Stay. Phil, sit. Stay. 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 How many squirrels go running by while you're trying to stay? And there are squirrels everywhere. Are there not? I go, hey, take some time. Get away with me. Stay. Stay. Squirrel. 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 God says He wants us to stay. If you stay. If you stay. I think the best way I can I can illustrate this scripture. If you you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will be do, uh, ask what you will, and it will be done for you. That's a powerful thing. That is powerful. And what he's saying is this. If you abide in me. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. If my word abides in you nothing's going to happen. If just you abide in me, nothing's going to happen. But if you Abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask what you will, and it will be done for you. They have to all line up. We need to know the word of God. Why do we come to church in the summer? Because we need to know the word of God. We need to know what God says about us. We need to know the things of God. We need to know them intimately. We need to know them well. When the enemy says, oh, no, 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 I think we got it mixed up. No, that's wrong theology. We need to say, shut up. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I know. I know. We need to know the word strongly. And then we need to be in Him, our personal relationship, our devotion, all of that. And when that happens, when, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, if all of that lines up, then you got to realize and this is you. I'm getting it here. This is you, and this is the word. you got to realize that when that lines up, God says, I have more for you and I have more for you and I have more power for you and I have more for you and I have more for you and I have more for you <laughs> and I have more for you I have lots for you If 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 The word of God is rich inside of you. And you know what it says about you, what you to believe for. And you're in a daily walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. And he is speaking rhema words to you day by day. If that happens, ask what you will and you will not believe the power that will come out of your life if you will walk like that. Next point. I use this basket here. Okay, great. This is. Excuse me. Hello. Oh, ouch. 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 Okay. Ouch. Oh, got them, Okay. We got them all there. Oop. Oh, here's a few. Help! Help me! help. All right. Oh, a few more. By the way, Claire, where are you, Claire? Claire's your when you on your worship team. You're awesome. And you know what? I believe. Just what I spoke there as a young lady, I want you to hear that word. Because what God wants to do with you as a worshiper, He wants you're in Him, and He wants you to get into the Word. And as that happens, you're going to begin to minister to people with song and worship that will come come out of you, and 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 come out of you. Things you never thought could ever happen. You follow him, young lady. He has his favor on you. So number one, to reboot, we need to be believing. Then we need to be forgiving. Then we need to be abiding. Then we need to be thanking. Thanking. Number four. Number four. It says this. <clears throat> be anxious for nothing, in Philippians 4, 6, but in everything. And how much stuff? A little stuff? All the good stuff? The bad stuff, be complaining. The good stuff, be thanking. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you line up like that, He'll do it. I'm trying to get you all these points where God's saying, if you get these, if you get these, if you get these, these are things that release me to do for you. With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know what he wants you to know here with thanksgiving? He wants you to know you belong to him. Say that with me. I belong to God. He owns me. Boy, if we walk like that every day, you'd be amazed what would happen. And that God is your source. I belong to God, and God is my source. I love this story, if you'll listen with me. I think about this because I've been traveling a lot lately, and it's about a traveler. A traveler between flights at an airport went to a lounge and bought a small package of cookies. Then she sat down and began reading the newspaper. Reading the paper. She got the paper up here. Reading it. Then she sat down and began reading the newspaper. Gradually, she became aware of a rustling noise. She looked at on her newspaper. From behind her paper, she was flabbergasted to see a neatly dressed man... Helping herself, excuse me, helping himself to her cookies. And she's just like, (laughs) what? Not wanting to make a scene, she leaned over and she took a cookie herself. Kind of like, these are my cookies. Thank you very much. Ate it. These are my cookies. A minute or two passed, there came more rustling. He was helping himself to another cookie. By this time, they'd come to the end of the package, but she was so angry she didn't dare allow herself to say anything. She was fuming. Then, as if to add insult to injury, the man broke the remaining last cookie in two, pushed half across to her, ate the other half, smiled at her, and left. Still fuming, some time later, when her flight was announced, the woman opened her handbag to get her ticket. To her shock and embarrassment, there she found her package of unopened cookies. She's miffed that this man is eating her cookies. Let me say this about your life. They're not your cookies. They belong to God, and God is allowing you to eat from them. We keep thinking, it's my life. Oh, no, 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 it's not your life. God gave it to you, and He graciously allows you to do the things that you do that we think, but it's my life. No, it's not. They're not your cookies. You belong to God. I'm going to stop there. Father, I, I pray that as we reboot, we're in real life. Real life stuff happens, Lord. But there's a time when we need to stop. We need to shut it down. And we need to reboot, Lord. We need to reevaluate what you want on my computer screen. What you want me doing. Lord, help us. Help us to believe like you believe. To forgive like you forgive. To abide in you and to be hungry for your word that it would abide in us. That, Lord, we'd be thankful to know that we belong. We belong. We have the privilege of belonging to you. Help us, Lord. I'd like to have anybody, I'd like to just, I want to do another prayer. Like anybody who would like to be rebooted, who's realizing, you know, I need to shut a few things down. Not because things are going, not because you're a bad person, but because you're a hungry person. You're saying, God, reboot me. If you'd stand, I just want to pray for you. If you you feel in your heart you want to do that, thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would look at the hearts of the people here who are responding. What they're saying, Lord, is, oh, God, I want, a fresh, I want a fresh relationship with you. I want a fresh anointing with you. I want a fresh power with you. I want to believe like you believe. I want to forgive like you forgive. I want to abide in you, oh God. I want to know that I belong to you. Father, I pray that in the, just the weeks to come, that they would notice a new anointing as you move upon them, as you touch them as you care for them, as you love them. Give them opportunities, Lord, that they never saw before where you're moving, where they can know, oh, this is a result of me taking a stand. Lord, Lord this is it. Let them stand unashamed with strength, with power, and with love to minister to the people in this community, Lord, in this city that so desperately need a touch of a living God who loves them so very, very much. Bless these people, Lord. I thank you for them, and I pray, Lord, they would know and notice a new anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What a, what a deep and powerful word tonight, man, that's, wow, yeah, definitely. Thank you, Lord. Um, that was good, that was good. I guess we have to wait for tomorrow for number five, but uh, we'll we'll put them online so that you can uh, share this with uh, some others that may need to hear this as well, if you want to revisit what God is speaking.